<sighs> Man, that song's awesome. I had tears in my eyes. Um, in fact, preparing this message, uh, every time I've listened to that this week, um, I got tears in my eyes. Um, it's, it's enough to make a grown man cry. Um, yeah, so we're doing What a Friend We Found in Jesus. Um, does anyone, oh, you've all heard it, obviously, you've all heard it before, right? Anyone just sung it for the first time? You may not have recognized the chorus before, but um, they added that in. Um, does anyone know who it was by? <laughs> All right, now, um, I picked a pretty ghastly green. Um, I don't know if you recognize, does anyone recognize it? It's the green off the Irish flag. It's just, ugh. No, I'm just messing with it, it's lovely. Um, <laughs> Does anyone know why I made it green like that? Because Joseph is Irish. Good work. You guys are onto it this morning. All right. Um, do we have any Irish in the house today? Yeah, we do. Um, probably more than usual, I think, because someone someone said that there's a certain Irishman who's got a birthday here today. <laughs> I won't ask how old you are. I think was it 93? Is that what Graham said? <laughs> Now nah, Graham was hassling him before outside. Um, now, um, just so we can get this right, I'm going to come down and harass Brian because he said that I could. Um, Brian, I, I just need you to say Joseph's name in an Irish accent for me. Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven. Is that all right? Now, what I want you guys to do is every time I say Joseph, you're going to put on your best Irish accent and you're going to say, Scriven. I can't hear you. Come on. Joseph. All right. Now, this is a test to make sure that you are listening, right? So I'm going to catch you out, but at least you'll, you'll, you'll be pretty good at it to start off with. Right. Um, I'm just going to take off my jacket because it's getting hot. And actually, I've got a two-handed drink bottle. So if I have to pause to get a drink, um, I apologize, but it's not coming. Uh, what do you think of my, my T-shirt? That's right, eh? God made the dinosaurs. Um, now, I had a connecting thought with dinosaurs, and I've lost it, but that's right. Um, so anyway, uh, let's get on to it. Um, so last week, Craig spoke on, what did he speak on? Amazing, amazing Grace. And it was a great message, and he's already said, if you haven't heard it, you need to go and hear it, because... Uh, it is a good message, and it sucks, because um, I have to follow that message. Uh, it's like throwing me in the deep end. Way to go. Thanks, Craig. Um, but I'll, I'll do my best, right, because it's a privilege for, for me to be here today. Um, anyway, let's get back to Joseph. Uh, yes, good. You're listening. Uh, can we get the next slide? So Joseph was baptized on the 10th of September. Um, I don't actually have what day he was born on. I assume it was within a few days of that. Um, so that's like 204 years and like two months and a few days ago, right? Just to make it seem like he's a real person. And uh, he was born in uh, Bainbridge County. Sorry, Bain Banbridge? I'm just testing. Barnbridge. Oh, yeah, there's no E, Barnbridge. Anyway. <laughs> County down. I'm, I'm, I'm not Irish, in case you can't tell. Um, <laughs> and 
And he was the son of a fairly well-off, uh, well, born into a fairly well-off family. Um, as it says up there, he attend, attended Trinity College um, in Dublin. Um, so obviously, you'd have to be pretty well-off to go to such a prestigious school. Um, and you can still go to that school, that college now if you want. It's still operating. So just trying to make it seem like he's real. Um, now, you may be wondering why there's two pictures of him and they don't look the same. And I don't know why that is. So you can pick which one you think is the real Joseph. Um, but I've gone with the one on your left here. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's got a great mo. Um, anyway, so Joseph was attended Trinity. He then tried out for um, the military because his father was a military man. And, you know, that's what you do. But he was not in very good health. So he uh, went back to Trinity and he graduated in 1842 with a BA, um, which is a what? Bachelor of Arts. What does that actually mean? Anybody know? I don't know either. <laughs> it's when you don't know what you're doing, so you do something. Uh, anyway, he's more qualified than me. Um, and so after that, he gets work as a tutor, um, where he's employed by a family to, you know, train the kids up. And he gets engaged to his fiance. So, so far, so good. His life's going all right. He's educated. He's got himself a job. And you want to know what happens? So that the day before he's going to get married, his fiance is crossing a bridge on a horse. And she somehow falls off and she's drowned in the river. And Joseph was waiting on the other side. Uh, yeah, and he couldn't do anything to save her. And so after that, I imagine he was pretty devastated. Um, and so we find Joseph wandering around. Um, oh, yeah, you forgot your... Craig was there. Craig was listening. Uh, <laughs> am I going too fast? Uh, so um, Joseph goes over to Canada in, nine, oh, in 1845, uh, but he falls ill. And a couple of months later, he comes back to Ireland. Um, he has a trip over to the Middle East. Um, and he comes back and he's living in Plymouth and in uh, England. Uh, this isn't all very interesting. I'm just filling in some blanks here. And anyway, um, while he's in Plymouth, he falls in love with this lady called Miss Faulkner. That's all I've got of, of her name. Um, I haven't got a photo. Um, but interestingly, his first fiance that passed away, she, well, there's no record of her name. We don't know what her name was. So that's pretty sad. Um, that's too early. We'll come back to that. Anyway, um, <laughs> So he's fallen in love with this lady, Miss Faulkner, and she gets married to another guy. Um, so, yeah, things are going great. Um, but it, it's a bit weird because they, they stay good friends and they actually, all three of them, um, go to Canada. Um, and we don't really hear of them anymore, just of Joseph. Come on, with an Irish accent. All right. Um, yeah, you can put up Toronto now. So does anyone know where Toronto is? It's in Canada, but it, it's there in Canada. It's like really, really close to the States. Um, but anyway, he's, he's in and around. He doesn't, as far as I know, he probably goes to Toronto, but it's not mentioned. Um, and while he's there, he um, joins the Plymouth Brethren. Um, and if you don't know, we have at least four churches of the Plymouth Brethren in Pukekohe. Did you know that? So they're still going. Um, and then in 1850, he gets a, um, oh, sorry, um, do you want to zoom in on the next 
So we're going to zoom in on that red mark there on the next slide. It'll show you. So Toronto's down in the, your bottom left over here. That's your left, eh? And then if you look up there on the right, there's a blue line, and that's showing you uh, 16K. So down the bottom is Port Hope, and up the top is, I don't know how you say that. I'm going to get in trouble anyway. Bordley? Bailey? B-E-W-D-L-E-Y? Anyway, um, so Joseph um, joined the Plymouth Brethren, and he spends his time going back and forth between those. He'll spend his summer in New Hope, and he'll spend his winter in... Uh, whatever that town is. Um, and he gets a, another tutoring job to a, um, he's tutoring Theodore. He's employed, obviously, by Theodore's father. But I want you to remember Theodore because he comes back a few times. Um, that was in 1850. And then in 1855, uh, Joseph's good friend, now I've got to get this right, Lobelia Sackville-Bagginses. No, hang on. It's James Sackville Baggins. No, it's not Baggins. James Sackville. I've never heard that name before, um, except in The Lord of the Rings. Actually, it might be The Hobbit. Anyway, um, so James Sackville Sr., um, who's Joseph's good friend, he passes away. And um, Joseph was actually living in James's house at the time. Um, so then Joseph starts living with James Sackville Junior, who's James Sackville Senior's son, right? Does that make sense? You with me? Haven't lost you? Um, and in Port Hope, he would lodge with a widow called Margaret Gibson, um, and he would help her carry out his uh, Margaret's late husband's dairy business, which was literally milking one cow and selling the milk. Um, <laughs> but it was enough. It was enough to um, feed them and keep them alive for 22 years. Um, in 1859, he meets this lady called, oh, actually, he gets engaged to this lady called, uh, is it Eliza? Can you bring up the next slide? Um, and we actually have a photo of her. Um, and shock horror, Joseph is 39 at this stage. And you're all going, oh, that's a bit wrong. But it was totally fine back then, right? T totally fine. Uh, he was a good man. Uh, anyway, Eliza he met nine years prior when she was only 13, which is, so he, he waited nine years. Anyway, uh, I'm sure, anyway, well, let's not go there. <laughs> uh, so he's finally engaged again, and you're probably hoping that there's some good to come out of this story. Right? Is this the end of the tale of woe? And the answer is no. You see, Eliza already, Eliza, whatever her name is, already had consumption. Does anyone know what consumption is? It's tuberculosis. Um, so she wasn't very well. Um, but unfortunately, she wasn't baptised into the Plymouth Brethren. And in order for her to marry Joseph, she had to get baptised. Um, and it was the middle of winter, so they waited until spring. And uh, I forgot to mention where Lake Rice is. But anyway, so as soon as the ice had melted, they baptised Eliza in the lake. Um, and of course, she gets pneumonia. And so she dies. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then you wonder why I'm getting tears in my eyes when I sing the song. Anyway, um, but this time it wasn't the sudden death of his first fiance. Uh, it took four months. So you imagine watching your fiance slowly get sicker and more sick and 
slowly passing away. It'd be horrible. Uh, yeah, it just seems like um, there's nothing, like it's just unrelenting woe for Joseph. <laughs> How do you pick up and carry on from there? I don't know. You're all completely quiet. It's that game you like to play with Craig where you're like, Craig will be like, you're really quiet this morning. He'll be like, nobody move. His vision's based on movement. So if we don't move, maybe we'll still get home in time for lunch. But you can't do that for me. It's my first time speaking. You've got to give me some encouragement, right? <laughs> uh, so Joseph, it seems, buries himself in service to others. Um, he would cut wood for anyone, but only if you couldn't do it yourself and you couldn't afford to pay him. Um, he would also preach wherever he found people gathered, so in churches or on street corners. Uh, sometimes he'd get arrested, and sometimes he'd get people throwing rotten fruit at him. Uh, he ran that dairy for Margaret, um, and he gave away basically all his money and a lot of his possessions and worked with the poor. Um, so he literally devoted his life into service. Um, now, in 1884, while he was staying at James Sackville Jr.'s house, uh, Theodore pops up again. I told you to remember Theodore. Um, now, Theodore has now grown up and got married, um, and he wants Joseph to come and um, tutor his four sons. Well, the first of his four sons. So a lot's obviously happened in this time. Um, and that's pretty much the last we hear of uh, Joseph. We know that in 1886, at the age of 66, he uh, is not in very good health. Um, and he went out for a morning walk, like really early, like three or four in the morning. Um, and James found him having drowned in a mill pond. Um, and nobody knows whether uh, it was an accident or it wasn't an accident. Um, and, yeah, just his whole life just seems like this big struggle and there never seems any joy or upside. Um, and sometime in amongst that, probably around 1855, uh, he wrote a poem called Pray Without Ceasing. Um, he sent one copy to his mother because she was unwell, uh, and he gave another one to Mrs. Sackville, who I assume was Joseph Sackville Sr.'s wife. Um, and then later on, a friend finds this poem written on a bit of scrawled note, and he asks Joseph, uh, I'm going to pack up you guys aren't even listening. He, he says to Joseph, after reading this poem, he's like, who wrote this? And Joseph replies, the Lord and I did it between us. That's pretty awesome, eh? Uh, but it would seem like Joseph wanted this um, poem fairly private, like as a private comfort rather than, see, Joseph wrote over a hundred hymns. Um, and what a friend we have in Jesus was not one of them. He like, wrote and published over 100 hymns, 117, I think. Uh, but instead, after his death, this poem was found, uh, and a guy called Charles Converse put the music to it, and then we have what a friend we have in Jesus. Um, and it got me thinking, because if you remember the sermon last week of Amazing Grace, and John Newton 
um, has this huge life-changing moment where he was lost and then he calls out to God and he gets saved, or at least from that point on, you know, there's a journey. But then, you know, out of that journey comes this hymn. But for Joseph, <sighs> for Joseph, he just seems to carry on, right? He's seems like a great guy um, giving his life in service to the poor and needy. It's quite a different thing between, you know, being just a horrible guy, John Newton, and then getting saved and being transformed to being a Christian all your life. Um, I thought that was quite an interesting difference. Um, but, but the thing that really struck me is I, I just wonder is if Joseph thought of his life the way we, like I've been spelling it out to you, did Joseph see his life as a long tragedy? This is, this is what got me thinking, because um, I think he actually probably viewed his life a little differently. Can we get up the words there? So now that you know his story and what he went through, I want you to look at these words again and think about what Joseph thought about his journey. Do you think Joseph was, well, obviously he went through some terrible stuff, but do you think that it ate him up inside? Because I think, uh, I think these words speak of someone who had learned something that we all need to learn. Um, I mean, these words, what's the most complicated word in there? Cumbered? I don't even know what that word means. The re- it's, it's easy language, right? Uh, there's a few these and thous towards the end there. Um, but it's easy. But it's so beautiful and emotive, right? Uh, like I said, I would cry every time I heard these words this week. Um, they're so simple, but they move you. And I think Joseph had learned that through everything life can throw at him, he found someone he could place his burdens on. Um, and I wonder if you've found that, if you know Jesus that way. Can we get the next slide? Um, do you know Jesus as a friend that you can cast your cares on? See, some friends, if you tell them something, you kind of break that friendship. They're, they're kind of there for the good times, right? They're not good friends, obviously. Um, and I think some of us maybe think that we need to deal with stuff ourselves. But uh, this song uh, would tell us that Joseph had found a relationship with Jesus that was different to that. Um, now, of course, it would be a, a great song if it was... Sorry, I can go back to the words. Um, it would be a great song uh, still, but I think if you actually look into it, you'll find that the... Um, all the lines line up with exactly what we hear in Scripture, right? So it's, it's not like a song out of nowhere. I think Joseph found some powerful verses. Um, and I'm going to look at some of those. So we're just going to do the first verse, and then for homework, you guys can go through and do the next two verses, all right? Is that fair? <laughs> You're like, what? Homework? Uh, yeah, can we get up the, the two slides on? Yep, that one. Um, so what a friend we have in Jesus. And then John 
15, 15, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. Actually, it's probably better translated as I've never called you servants. Because Why? Because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But I, this is Jesus speaking, I have called you friends. Does that take your relationship to a whole nother level? Um, and then he says, all our sins and griefs to bear. Uh, you've probably got very few friends that you can count on one hand that would just let you unload all your sins and griefs onto them, right? But Jesus is that friend. Um, but that, I think that verse lines up very well with 1 Peter 2, 24, where it says, he who himself bore our sins on his own body on that tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, and by whose stripes we are healed. That's exactly what he's saying there. And then, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Again, let's go back First 1 Peter 5, verse 7. You should all know this verse. Casting all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's amazing that there's God in heaven who's busy with, you know, stuff. He's got to run the whole planet, and yet he cares about you, right? So, next uh, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Uh, the peace of God is in Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That's an awesome promise, right? Oh, what needless pain we bear. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. Um all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And again, back in Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Uh, so we're going to get into talking about prayer. Um, but there's just something else I want to touch on before we do that. Um, can we get the next... A lot of us don't really, well, I don't know if you do, but I tend to think God's got better things to do than to focus on a little old me, right? There's 8 billion people on the planet. Why would he be interested in what I'm doing? But God's not limited like we are. We can focus on one thing at a time. God is totally focused on you and you and you and you, all at the same time, and he's intently interested in you. Um... Uh, yeah, there's nothing that he values more highly than you. Um, Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Anyone know what that joy was? It's you guys, and hopefully me as well. God is jealous of everything that comes between you and him. In Exodus 34, 4, interesting verse there, it says, you must, have, you know, this is part of the Ten Commandments, you must have no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous. Just think about that for a second. What's he jealous of? A God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Um, and you are valued simply because he made you. Uh, God said, let us make man in our image to be like us. Um, so if if our value just comes from the fact that God made us, 
then you can't do anything to add value and you can't do anything to take away value. You are valued by God. Um, can't turn the page. Right. Second two of... Second, yep. Uh, so the evidence of your value is demonstrated in the cross. The price that Christ paid on that cross is how much he values you. It's up here. Uh, he has immense value for you. Or you have immense value in him. Uh, he purchased our freedom with the blood of Jesus, his son, and forgave our sins. Just think about that. Uh, I don't know if any of you have sons. I've got a son, and I can't imagine paying that price, right? Giving your son, that, that's, that's the highest price. Well, daughter, if you've got daughters, that's fine. It's still the same price, right? It's, it's beyond what you could ever give yourself to give. Um, but this obsession with you means that he craves intimacy with you. Look at Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's coming to your front door and he's knocking. Does someone come to your front door and knock if they don't want you to be home? Right? And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, so not only is he knocking, he's also calling out. If anyone hears my voice, right? He's standing at the door. Oi, open up. I want to come in. We'll have a meal together. We'll do life together. God's obsessed with you. Um, and that's the fundamental thing that this song is talking about. Uh, we have intimacy with God, and we do it through prayer. Um, now, I just want to quickly go over three, three things that we might think, but they're actually wrong about prayer, three excuses for praying. The first one is, praying is boring, right? I mean, even the disciples fell asleep when Jesus asked them to pray, right? So prayer, sometimes, it shouldn't be, but sometimes it can be boring, uh, I don't think prayer should be boring. It's not boring when you're having a conversation with someone who's intelligent, right? The level above you may engage you and um, you can learn stuff from them. It's not boring to talk to someone who has been through what you're going through and they've come out the other side and they've, you know, grown from the experience and they know, you know, they've got the experience and you can learn from them. Uh, I'll tell you who it is boring to talk to, though. Immature people, right? I don't mean young people. I mean people who are like, like obsessed with themselves or just um, if you were trying to learn something from someone and they don't actually know what they're talking about, that's really hard to listen to. Am I right? But is God stupid? No. Is God on your side or is he against you? He's on your side. Uh, does he have experience? Um, it says Jesus was tested in every way that we are, right? So he's been through it. Um, is he right all the time? I know it's annoying because sometimes you, you don't want him to. Oh, I mean, you do because it's got to be God, but it's, it's annoying to not be right. Um, does he only speak truth? And does he shy away from dealing with the hard or the ugly stuff in your life? No, he doesn't. He'll do whatever it takes, right? paid the ultimate price to win you. Uh, another thing you might be thinking is that prayer is complicated. 
Oh, but Pastor Pete, pray so hard. I don't know what to say and I don't have the right words. It's fair enough, sort of. Um, but if you can explain to me that prayer is hard and you don't have the right words, surely you can explain to God. I mean, all you're doing is you're talking to him. It's, it, it, it's, it's, you shouldn't be thinking that it's hard. Um, and we don't have to complicate it. We don't have to, you remember Jesus speaking about the Pharisees? And he's like, don't pray like them. Don't use your overflow of words. I don't really have an overflow of words. Um, but some people do. Uh, he's, yeah, Jesus is like, don't be like them. You don't have to use holy words, and you don't have to try and impress them. Uh, you don't have to hide anything from him because he knows everything anyway, right? And the third thing is, prayer doesn't work. Whatever, Pastor Pete. But I've tried. I prayed for my mom, and she still died. I prayed for my fiancés, and both of them died. Uh, I never even got married. I wrote over 100 hymns for you, and I'm not even famous. I try to preach a rest message, and people throw rotten veggies at me. Man, those potatoes hurt. And I'll be like, oh, I get it, Joseph. It's hard. Oh, you did. I didn't catch you out. Oh, I caught most of you out. That was, that was my little um, summary of Joseph's life, right? You pray for things, and they don't seem to change. What do we do? Pray anyway. Say it. Pray anyway. Uh, I'm jumping behind myself. Uh, maybe those things, uh, the answer's still coming for them. What do you do? Maybe those things won't get answered till Jesus comes back. What do you do? Uh, maybe they just haven't been answered yet. What do you do? It's good. You sound like robots. It's supposed to sound like Irishmen. <laughs> uh, so remember who God is and what he's promised. Remember what he's already done for you. He's already done so much, right? Uh, and you've seen prayer work before. If, if, you've, if you're saved, if you consider yourself a Christian, then you've seen at least one prayer work. Um, and if you don't know Jesus today, then how do you get to know him? You pray. Um, James 5.16. Pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is what? <laughs> yeah. It's good, guys. I'd like it a bit louder. Can you try again? <laughs> That's better. All right. Can we get to what is prayer? So, number one, prayer. This, is, this isn't rocket science. I can't do rocket science, so that's good. Prayer is just talking to God. Uh, look at what Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't worry about anything. We touched on this before. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. That's pretty simple, right? Uh, if it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough for you to pray about. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. And 1 Peter 5, 7, we covered already, cast all your cares on him, all your cares, because he cares for you. With people you are close to, occasionally you might have a good long talk, you know, deep and meaningful, you know what I mean? Uh, but generally, you're talking bursts, like, sure, like my wife talks in bursts. She'll be like, 
and I'll be ah, still trying to get through the first one and she'll be on to the third thing. Um, and then she'll start trying to guess my answers to that and then I still can't think. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> we don't tend to have big long conversations with everyone during the day. We just, on occasion, but most of the time it's just a short little talk about something and then you go back to what you're doing and you have a little chat about something else. Um, and that's exactly how we should pray with God. When you get up in the morning, God, thank you for this day. When you're walking out the house to go to work, Lord, please direct my steps today. When you see someone at work that's hurting, not because they cut their finger on the saw, but because, you know, something is not going well in their life or something, then you can say, God, give me something encouraging to say to them. Give me wisdom to make a difference. God, I just devote my life to you. God, will you do something that only you can do? How many times do we need to pray that a day? What I'm praying right now is, God, help me deliver this message. God, help me on this test. God, help me love this person today. Sometimes people are hard to love. God, help me forgive this person. Sometimes people can be really hard to forgive, right? You've all met those people. But we also need to set, a, set aside time to pray. So do lots of praying during the day. But we also have a dedicated time that we spend with God, reading his word and praying. Okay, so what is prayer part two? There's only four points. So I like to keep things, you know, manageable level. Prayer can be venting to God. Now, some of you might be like, I'm good at this. Some of you might be a bit, oh, I don't think God, we should really treat God like that. Um, and I'm not talking about disrespecting him, right? You've still got to honor him, uh, treat him respectfully. Don't lose sight of who he is. But um, getting angry these days is really not cool. Has anyone heard of a, a Karen? I apologize if you're a Karen, but, you know, in society today, Karens get mocked if they stand up for what they believe in, right? If you get angry about something, um, people will either just shut you off or they will, um, you know, like, whoa, just calm down, buddy. Um, but, see, you can be angry with God. Uh, don't disrespect him because he's God, but you can still get angry. Tell him how you feel. Um, if you don't believe me, um, in Psalms it says, be angry but do not sin. And Paul quotes that in Ephesians if you need it from the New Testament, all right? David vents to God all the time. God, where are you? Why aren't you stopping my enemies? Um, God, why are you letting this happen? It doesn't seem fair. Why do the wicked prosper? You know, Jesus vented on the cross. In Matthew 27, 46, it says, at about three, in the, three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, God, why have you abandoned me? Right? Is that, it's not disrespectful, but he's being honest. He's venting to God. Right? And point three. Uh, prayer is listening. Uh, John 10, 3, 4, 6, and 27, they all say the same thing. His sheep know his voice, and they follow him. God's not a mystery. 
he speaks to you. And if you want to hear him speaking, you have to listen. Prayer is not coming to God and giving him a list of your demands. I mean, Jesus did say, keep on asking um, and you will receive what you ask for. But he also said, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, right? So God's speaking to him and he's doing what he's told. And that was Jesus. How much more do you think we need it? Uh, in John 16, 12 to 14, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. For when the spirit of truth has comes, what? He will lead you into truth, into all truth. For he will not speak of his own, of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And whatever things, I will tell you things to come. And he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Uh, so obviously, God wants to talk with you. Um, so it's just talking to God. You can tell him how you feel. You can be honest with him. And you've got to listen to him. And the last thing that should probably be the first thing is prayer is giving thanks. Let's go back to First Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you catch that? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Sometimes we gloss over little bits in the... The will of God is for you to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Uh, I think sometimes if you're coming to God and you can't think of something to be thankful for, but you've got your list, Maybe just hold off on shoving a list in his face. Maybe just spend a bit of time, find something to be thankful for. I mean, there's times when you need help and it's urgent. That's fine. But generally, bring yourself to that thankful place before you bring your, you know, God knows that you're going to need help. It's not a mystery. Um, and again, in First Thessalonians, oh, did I cover that? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing? Yeah. So that's awesome. So um, can I get the band back up? Because I want to sing that song again. And hopefully when you sing it this time, you're going to know the story of Joseph. Good work, good work. And you're going to see what he meant when he read this, sorry, when he wrote this song, right, well, as, the, as a poem. And I want, you to, I want you to think about that for yourself. Um, think about the stuff that you've been through, think about what God means to you, and think about stuff that you're holding on that you should be giving to him. And if you want to come up the front and just spend some alone time with God, that's totally fine. Um, and if you just want to sing from where you are, that's also fine. Um, but I want you to engage with the song. Um, yeah. So...